Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. I'm so glad that you are here today. We have a very important topic to discuss, and one that might be a little bit sensitive, but I think that it's really important that we address it and that is our kids' mental and emotional health. So I'm sure you have probably heard, I have heard that mental health issues across the board are on the rise. I think that's just a given. But one day while I was taking care of my grandparents, you know, maybe even last fall, somewhere around there, maybe it was spring, I can't quite remember, but I just remember being in their sitting room with them. I was think I was probably doing a puzzle with my grandma and they had the news on like always and I just remember hearing in the background about this new test that was coming out that they were now going to use to diagnose children as young as three with anxiety and honestly I it just made me really angry because I think that there are so many things contributing to our kids mental and emotional health and sometimes I feel like when a diagnosis gets put on a child that's kind of where the digging and the stuff stops now not for everyone obviously but I just felt like it was kind of doing this disservice like oh this three-year-old has anxiety so this is just how it is and Yes, for some people, maybe that's how it is. There's deeper things, maybe genetics and all that stuff at play. But there are so many, so many factors that contribute to our child's mental and emotional health. And so I really wanted to dive into this today because I think that there's a lot as parents that we can do. And so I'm going to share some statistics with you and I want you to just... Take these as they come and then hold hold the overwhelm for what comes next because I'm going to use these numbers to share some encouragement with you. So the first one is that there are four and a half million children in the U.S. that are diagnosed and living with anxiety. In the last three years, the likelihood of young people having a mental health problem has increased by 50%. Five zero fifty percent Five children in a classroom of 30 are likely to have a mental health problem. That seems intense to me. I'm not sure about you, but I think that if you're like me, you probably heard these numbers and immediately think, okay, that's overwhelming. What am I supposed to do now? I feel stuck here. I'm uncertain. Like, how do we fix this? How do I keep my child from getting, you know, having mental health problems? It just is staggering, right? Those are some big numbers. But before you jump into the zone of fear, I want you to hear what I'm about to say loud and clear. 
parents play a key role in the development of mental health in their child or children through the parent's awareness of their own feelings, the parent's ability to stay calm during their child's behaviors or big feelings, parent's response to their children's feelings, and the parent's capacity to coach or guide their children in how to recognize, understand, and respond to big feelings. So we, as the child's parent, play a huge role, a significant factor in our child's mental health. And so while that might seem like, oh my gosh, now I got to do all these things perfectly or right or whatever, and kind of feel overwhelming in this sense as well, I want you to just think about the fact that we don't have to be passive here. We don't have to just watch and wait and wonder if our kids are going to be part of this statistic. We can actively and proactively be doing things right now that are going to create a lasting impact on our kids' mental and emotional health. And while that might seem overwhelming to think about, you don't eat an elephant all at once, right? (laughs) Like that thing just came to mind where we say we eat a bite at a time. And before you knew these statistics, maybe not consciously, but you have probably always been thinking, how do I raise my child up in a way that is going to help them to be successful and strong and kind? You know, like these are all big things. And so we don't want to just think like, okay, now here's another thing that I got to figure out how to do. It's just being diligent, being faithful to do the things and take action. And sometimes we're not going to know exactly what that action is, but to be constantly trying to just do our best. And um, I think that's what we all are already trying, right? And so don't let this scare you, but I want it to empower you and give you confidence in knowing that you have the key. You have the tools to really help your child in this kind of overwhelming time. And I think, you know, I'm sure you've seen, I see all the time about, you know, people being afraid for their kids being, you know, alive during this time. And then, you know, the faith focus part of that is recognizing that God has gifted us, our children, for such a time as this. We were born at a specific time. And so to understand that we don't want to you know, cower down in fear and worry and how am I going to do this, but really just start taking steps towards what can I do to help support my child's mental health. And so I am going to go through each of the things that I just listed and give you some tips on how you can get started here. And one more piece of encouragement. This is really, I've heard it more um, business related, but I think it can apply here too, is that If you just focus on getting 1% better every day, the, it seems really small, right? Like 1% could be, you know, one time you change your tone, one time you stop yourself from yelling when you want to yell, one time you get down and you look your child in the eye and you give them the opportunity to speak instead of immediately give a consequence, like one thing each day that you could be doing to get 1% better. And while that might seem small in a day's time, if you take 1% every day of the year, you're improving by 300 and whatever, 65% each year. And so that can make huge leaps and transformations in your child's behavior, in our own ability to be calm 
and our like mindfulness around how we are parenting. And so I want to just jump in. So the first the first way that we can play a key role is being able to be aware of our own feelings as parents. So here are a few questions to ask yourself. When you have some time, maybe, you know, if you're driving alone in the car to be thinking about or if you journal to maybe um, jot down and journal about this later. So do you allow yourself to have feelings or do you push them down? Be honest with yourself because I think a lot of times we answer questions outright like, oh yeah, I have my feelings or, you know, oh yeah, I do this or, oh no, I don't do that. Or, oh yeah, I I don't mind crying. But really when we sit with it and we think about it, there's a lot more that goes into answering that question. So do you allow yourself to have feelings like truly, or do you start to have a feeling and you're like, nope, I can't do that now. Or it's okay. I can push through, like just keep going. Um, Are there certain places, people or instances that you do this more with than others so are there certain experiences are there certain times of the day certain places that you're in certain situations where you will push your feelings down more than others pay attention to those why do you do it more than than other times do you allow yourself to cry or every time tears well up do you push it down and push it down and say nope i'm not gonna do that i can't cry what behaviors does your child exhibit that create a strong reaction in you? If we don't begin to increase our awareness of what feelings that we're having and when, it makes it really challenging to do anything about them, right? Like the first step is always awareness. So go back through and answer these questions for yourself and really start to increase that awareness of how you allow yourself to have feelings, how you have them, when you might be having them, or maybe when you aren't having them, when you might normally think that that would be a time you would have them. And then the last part of it is recognizing what behaviors evoke such strong feelings in you that your child, or you could even think about, you know, maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's a parent, like feelings that come up when they do certain things. What are those times? The second part of it is our ability to stay calm during your child's behavior. So once you have more awareness of your feelings and the behaviors that bring out those strong reactions in you, then you can begin to work more on your ability to stay calm. This part is so key. And I found, you know, as I was getting into figuring out how to help my son with his aggressive behaviors, I just thought, okay, I'm going to hire this coach And she's going to teach me what to do to like, quote unquote, fix my child's behavior. (laughs) What I didn't recognize is how much of it was a transformation in me, Um, not only in my ability to stay calm, but in my perception, in my perspective, in my own healing things that I just talked about, things that I didn't allow myself to feel and why I didn't allow myself to feel them and resolving some of those things. And honestly, the more I have, you know, done this stuff, the more that I now am home with my kids all day, the more I recognize we cannot control our kids' behavior, no matter what we do. (laughs) Like They are separate people. We cannot change what's coming out of them. We can help it, we can support it, but we can't change it. 
But we have complete control over ourselves as the parent and our abilities to be calm and to um, act in a certain way. And so I think this is just so, so, so important, your ability to stay calm. So when you are triggered or you have a strong reaction, there is a reason. Generally, it's related back to your childhood. And so I want you to ask yourself, did someone have this reaction to me when was a caregiver upset with me when you know for example when you started to cry did your parent or caregiver maybe it was a daycare provider maybe it was you know another family member that you're with a lot it doesn't always have to be parents but generally our parents are with us you know overall the most combined and so that's why it is often patterning from our parents but it can be from somebody else did they try to you know, get you to stop, bribe you, distract you, make you feel like you couldn't cry or you had to be quote unquote a good kid. This is probably why you are having such a difficult time when your child is continuing to cry. And difficult might not mean you lose yourself. Like it might not mean you fly off the handle and yell or scream or try to punish or give a consequence. It might mean that you just don't feel comfortable with the crying And when you really look at it, when you really pay attention in those moments when your kids are crying, because a lot of times people will say, oh yeah, I'm fine with the crying. But in reality, they're doing stuff constantly to try to get the, move the child out of crying. So, so often we want to make them feel better, which is normal, right? That's, we want our kids to not be sad, but it's actually creating this cycle of, Like your feelings aren't allowed here. I'm not comfortable with these feelings. Keep them in. Like that's what we're communicating. And so it might not be this big reaction. It might be more of, oh, look, let's go play over here or here. You want this instead? And really trying to distract our child away from those feelings because we don't want them to have them. But it's important that they are having them. And so if you need to journal about it. Um, think more deeply about these triggers, like really seriously spend some time because this part is so important. What triggers you? What creates those strong reactions? Whether it's like, I got to escape this situation or I'm really angry and I can't contain myself. What are those times? And then ask yourself more about it. Who did this? You know, who had this reaction? Um, You know, why am I feeling so out of control here. Did I have this same behavior as a child and somebody, this is the way somebody responded to me? Just really diving into that. And something that you might come across is you might have no idea. You know, at first when I was dealing with my son's aggressive behaviors, I didn't, I mean, it was triggering for me. It was upsetting. It was overwhelming. Um, I didn't know what to do about it, but I didn't, I didn't know why I was being triggered. I couldn't quite figure it out. I feel like my brain had been, you know, kind of pushing it down and blocking it out because it didn't want to relive that discomfort. Our brain is constantly trying to protect us and keep us safe. And by not processing through some of these things, I think it's, you know, trying to keep us regulated because when those feelings start to come up, well, then we're feeling all these feelings that are generally kind of negative feeling and our brain's like, don't feel that, (laughs) you know, but we need to. And so one thing that you can do if you're struggling to either 
you know, process through figuring out what your triggers are or if you know your trigger but you have no idea why it's triggering is to start journaling and then remind yourself of it often so that when your child starts to have this behavior or have these big feelings that generally trigger you, you can start to slow your reaction and remind yourself of how you actually want to react or like, okay, my child's going to cry. I know this is the time where I usually try to distract away and that's not something I want to do here. So it's just like this um, like inner dialogue that will help you to just maybe pull back for a second, allow yourself time to do something in there and to really be thinking through your next step versus just jumping into being triggered. Okay, the next one, parents' response to their children's feelings. So how we are coming, how you are coming to your child's feelings. The more we welcome your child's big feelings, the more you welcome your child's big feelings. And remember, it's most important to create foundational patterns that allow expression in a safe way, the easier it becomes. So if you are one of those people that are always trying to distract your child away from crying, I think it can be helpful to know that what's actually happening here. You know, your child's crying, your child's trying to do a really good job of releasing this hurt. It's our natural pattern until we have been repatterned as we're growing older. And remembering that this is their releasing those big feelings and how good it feels to you after you've had a nice cry and just released everything that you were holding onto, even if nothing was solved, right? And so we want to, so often our natural inclination is to stop the crying because we think that's making them feel better when in reality it's causing them to keep the feelings in. So reminding yourself If I let my child have the feelings, this is actually helping them. I'm supporting them by just allowing the feelings to come so they can actually process through these hurts and move on. And one of the things here that I think is really important is detaching yourself from your kid's behavior and your kid's feelings and remembering that your child can have their own feelings. They should. Um, And it doesn't necessarily say anything about you. If this is a struggle for you, I encourage you to reach out for help. This is some something that I did for so long. And I just thought, well, you know, now that I had learned about like highly sensitive kids, I was like, well, I think I was probably a really highly sensitive child, a highly sensitive person. But what I found is for me is it's actually been an unhealthy patterning that needed to be resolved. I still feel like maybe I'm a more sensitive person, but I am not attached to whether my child is upset and crying. Sure, do I want them to not be hurting? Yes, but I don't have that. Whereas before it was, you know, my child's hurting, so I feel bad for them. But then I also feel this intense feeling inside of me too because I'm feeling how they're feeling. And I had both of these things going on and it was very difficult. And so really working on detaching your own feelings from your child's behavior or from your child's feelings and just being that support system versus joining them, right? And the last thing is the parent's capacity to coach or guide their children and how to recognize, understand, and respond to big feelings. Now, this one, you might be thinking, um, yeah, I'm not sure how to do that. Like how, if I can't stay calm, how am I supposed to guide and coach my child to do that? I totally hear you because it 
it's a big thing, right? When we don't know how to do something, we want to know, especially if we're supposed to help teach our kids to do it. So if you are feeling overwhelmed or you're really easily triggered, burnt out, then I would highly suggest connecting with me about my new 30-day behavior buster program. So this is a less um, intense time-wise in in the sense that there's less face-to-face. There's not a weekly coaching session every week, but we do one really like a longer deep dive call so I can get a thorough history, thorough like insights into what's going on right now. But then we focus our attention, our work in an app called Voxer, which is um, just a walkie-talkie app. So we can be recording voice messages and sending them back and forth. And this really allows me to be walking with you step-by-step in the trenches, guiding you. So if you're like, I don't know how to guide my child right now, I need guiding too. I'll be your guide. So you send me a message. This is what just happened. This is how I responded. This is how my child responded to it. And I say, I listen to your message and I recognize, I I know it might seem, how can you really know what's going on from just my voice message? But I will tell you, it is amazing the things that I can pick up and you just sharing what happened because of my deep knowledge in this, you know, behavior strategy, connection, focus, parenting, but also in my occupational therapy background. And so it's really just getting to walk with you almost as if we were like in real life daily meeting up and being and, and having this conversation. And then I provide you, here's what to do next time because there's always going to be a next time, right? No matter how well behaved or whatever you want to say our kids are, our kids are always going to have some sort of behavior some big feeling, something's going to happen. We're going to be triggered. Like there's always opportunity for, you know, change and progress and trying again. And so this really gives me the opportunity to really walk with you and really guide you step-by-step so that then you can take that information and help guide your child. So if that's something that feels um, a little bit like if it's more in your life, I totally understand that because I stay home with my kids. And so I know it can be hard to find a time to always figure out when, like when you have that free hour to have a call and you just want to use that free hour to be sitting there and relaxing. Like I totally get that. And so this might be a better option for you. But my biggest encouragement or reminder here is that you don't always need to know what to say or do. I always think back to, you know, accounts that will say, when your child does this, say this, which I know can be helpful because sometimes that's what we're looking for. But in all honesty, simply allowing your child to just have feelings and hold space for those feelings while you remain calm is enough for right now. You don't have to, I think it's just, it can become so much to remember. Okay, my child's having this behavior. What was I supposed to say? And it's really not, it doesn't have to be that way. Really thinking about if if I was this upset and my husband was here to support me or my friend or my mom or whoever it is for you, what would I want them to do? Do I need them to say the perfect thing for me or do I just need them to sit here with me while I have these feelings and support me and maybe give me a hug and recognize like it's okay to have these feelings. So 
just holding space for your child, like truly holding space, not trying to distract away or stop or provide, you know, reasons why this is happening. Just let them have the feelings. Stop yourself from talking. I know this is really hard because it's just, we want to say something. We want to help our kids, but really just basically keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Um, Your child first learns regulation through a process called co-regulation, which means whatever you do when you are upset, your child will do. So if you start to yell and shout, your child will. If you can sit calmly and provide cues as needed, your child will. And if you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, I have been in this pattern of yelling. Am I basically screwed now? The answer is no. The truth is that no matter how well you know how to implement these strategies, no matter how much you know you could have a PhD in all of these things, you are still a human and you will never be perfect. So I think the benefit is knowing how to implement these strategies because you can always go back to them. They are foundational principles. They will help repair. So say you, you know, you you get really good at staying calm, but then, you know, maybe you're having an off day. Maybe you're just more stressed out and you find yourself getting triggered. You can then repair whatever happened using these strategies and then continue moving forward instead of getting stuck in this, what I like to call the, you know, trigger mom guilt cycle where we get triggered, we react automatically, we feel guilty about it. We're like, we're going to change. I'm not going to do that again, but then we do it all over again. And so these, these foundational strategies really help just create that, that foundation of we can always go back to them. These are always going to be the same. Um, it might look a little bit different based on your child's age or the season you're in or the place you are, but they are always the same. They are constant and they work. So as we close out, I would love if you have found any of these episodes to be helpful or encouraging to go leave a review. I know people say this on their podcast all the time, but I would just be so appreciative. I was um, talking with a friend the other day about how I just believe that society is teaching us as parents or caregivers that our kids' behavior should just change because we told them once or twice or maybe five times. And there's just such a lack of understanding of childhood development as well as how our own child-related traumas, experiences truly do impact every area of parenting. And I would just love to be able to share that with more moms and dads and caregivers and have access to this truth because there is so much depth to behavior. And if you Google it, it will be like, you know, just put your kid in timeout, use a calming strategy. And while some of those things might work for people, there is so much depth here, so much patterning happening that I really just want everybody to have the awareness of and then go choose how you want to do it, right? It's all about getting the information that feels good to you, taking what you need and leaving the rest. So I believe that kids really need to be more understood and I think parents really want to understand their kids, find solutions that actually work consistently and the more reviews there are, the more access and visibility there is. Just simple, you know, algorithm things just like every other online space. So if you would be willing to do that, I would be so grateful. If you need any help with any of these things, I just want to encourage you that the time is now. Whether it's coaching, 
my full-on program or 30 days of you know deep work, whether it's you know taking some of these principles from the podcast and applying them, whether it's reading a book, whether it's having an accountability partner, like find what you need and get started. Like don't stay stuck because you're feeling overwhelmed. If you are in an overwhelmed place, reach out to me so that I can help you with the next step because we aren't doing a service to us or our children by just hoping things will be different. What's actually happening by delaying it because we're feeling stuck or we're feeling overwhelmed or we don't know what to do is that we're creating patterning all the time, right? So by losing your cool, by being triggered, by yelling, you are creating a pattern for your child. And we might not be able to see it right now, but it is happening. And so I say, just take a step, just that 1% each day. And maybe you realize, okay, that wasn't the book that worked or that wasn't quite the right option or whatever, but at least you are being proactive and figuring it out versus just staying in the same place. So that would be my biggest encouragement to you is to make sure that you're taking the information that you are hearing and applying it. And if you feel like I need some help, just get some help. It creates results much quicker when you have somebody speaking into you saying, do this. I've done this before. I've gone before you. I know that this can work. Here's how you apply it and and getting your questions answered. There's nothing wrong with, with doing that. And in fact, I think sometimes it's the easier route, right? Like whether you stay stuck or are just kind of told here's how to do it and figuring it out how you want to implement it. So 1%, 1% each day as you go forward into this next week. And um, yeah, if you have any questions, if you want to chat about what a program might look for you, if you want to focus on your triggers or your child's behavior or whatever, let's do that. So um, yeah, just thank you so much for joining me. Remember, it's not about being the perfect parent, but about being more aware and responding versus reacting. This is going to take you a long way. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and take me at Kaylee Josire and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.